Today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. I am Delaney Howell, of course, joined by my sniffly little co-host, Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Delaney Howell. I tell you what, I am a sniffly little co-host today indeed. I did not take my allergy medication this morning, so it is just tearing me up. I know. I am feeling you. I'm right there with you. My eyes have been pretty itchy putting in my contacts each morning, but... Yep, it's that time of year. That it is. The leaves are starting to turn. I was driving across Iowa earlier today, this week. Soybeans are turning yellow. Corn is turning yellow. It's looking like harvest time is right around the corner. That's right. And uh, you got to take home the victory from our friendly wager on Saturday when Iowa beat Iowa State University. Uh, Did you watch the game, Mike? I did not. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it was a really close game, and honestly, I feel like if Iowa State wouldn't have messed up that final play on the kick return, they probably would have been the winners, but... All right, well, but that's not how it goes. The win's the win. Yeah, that it is. And goes in the Iowa column. Well, I tell you what, Delaney, we might have some winners in farm country, Mm. potentially, Um, President Trump was reported earlier today that he has tentatively approved a plan to increase the amount of biofuels. Basically, he's going to add back in all the gallons of ethanol and biodiesel that were taken away by the waivers. He's going to roll those back into the RFS reportedly. Um, The plan is the EPA will calculate a three-year rolling average of total gallons exempted uh, under the small refinery exemption program, and then it will just add that three-year rolling average to the the total RFS for that next year. So for 2020, that would be 1.35 billion gallons. Okay, and this is a follow-up, then I take it, from Friday's rumors. Is that right? Yes, this is... Trump has now talked about it. Still nothing has been done. Nothing is written, it sounds like. But he has personally come out and said, yeah, this is, this is what I'm looking at doing. Okay. And does it, did you say there would it be over the next, you said the next three years? No, they're going to look back for the oh. last three years to get the average, which is a weird thing to do yeah. because the refinery exemptions have exploded over the last two years. So this is, I think, the oil industry's way of of getting one year of low exemptions, which Mm. will reduce the amount of gallons required um, in 2020. Okay. Well, we had other big news that happened on Friday, and that was yet another sale, export sale of U.S. soybeans headed for China. There was the flash sale of 204,000 metric tons after Thursday's purchase, which was, oh gosh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. 600 and some 600,000? Yeah, okay. 600. Just flat 600. Yep. So that is uh, definitely helped the soybean markets end in positive territory today. Not hugely positive, but we'll talk about that here with Darren Newsom in just a little bit. We certainly shall. And yes, it was, uh, it was a good thing to see China stepping back into the market, finally taking off some of the screwball restrictions they'd put on. Um, and um, 
I was just thinking the other big news that happened that really had the market all fired up, and we're going to talk about this with Darren right when we jump into it, was the bombing of the Saudi Arabian oil refinery by potentially Iran, allegedly, not, not allegedly, Houthi rebels in Yemen took credit for it, but the U.S. government thinks that it was actually you know, orchestrated by Iran. They've been backing the rebels in Yemen, and this could turn into a real geopolitical yeah, scrum here before too long. Yeah, it sounds like there were 19 different points of impact at the Saudi Arabian facilities. U.S. officials are basically pointing fingers at, um, well, I mean, there's some discrepancy there, but Tehran is denying the accusation. So Secretary Mike Pompeo is publicly calling on other nations to condemn Iran for the attacks and said that the U.S. is going to make sure that they get held accountable for this aggression. But yeah, as you mentioned there, we're going to talk about really the impact that has for the oil markets here with Darren Newsom in just a little bit. Yes, and it's interesting. So there was an update here just maybe 30, 40 minutes ago. The um, Some official with the Iranian government came out and said the attack on the refinery was proportional to the attacks that have been inflicted upon the uh, the folks in Yemen, which sounded an awful lot like an admission that they were behind it. Huh. Yeah, that does, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Apparently, we are, to quote President Trump, locked and loaded to uh, to go and I, I make this right somehow and take out whoever was behind it. So mm-hmm. oil could get a lot more volatile in the next couple of weeks. That it could. So maybe if you haven't locked in some of your needs for this fall, you might want to think about doing that. Yeah, or maybe we won't go to war and we'll we'll sell this thing off real quick and that'll be that. Hard to say. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, um, Delaney Howell, I just have one other piece of news. It's kind of an upbeat piece of news, I think, for a lot of our listeners probably have fond memories. But the National FFA organization is saying that they now have a record high student membership of 700,170 FFA members. So it's up Hmm. almost 40,000 from uh, just last year. Wow, 700,000 members. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah. You were an FFAer? Yes, I was. So there you go. Continues to grow, continues to stay strong. I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. On a little bit of a lesser note, another thing that is staying strong that's not getting out of the newswire anytime soon has been African swine fever. We talked about it last Friday with Dr. Chris Rademacher. I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode. We talk about really the disease or the scientific side of it, but it is continuing to spread 70% of the Philippines swine samples tested by the World Health animal reference laboratory in the UK were tested or were shown positive for African swine fever, which confirms the country's $5 billion industry is under a very severe threat. There was also some, yeah, that's crazy. 70% of their hog herd under attack there. And it's also seeming like locally in China, the federal government is urging local municipalities and banks to support local hog farmers in an effort to stabilize pork production and pork prices. They said, typically speaking, according to a state council 
they released a circular last week urging the government to basically step in and promote industrial upgrades to ensure that the pork supply continues into the future. But according to the circular, 95% of pork should be supplied by the domestic market and large-scale hog farming should exceed 65%. And they are currently not at those levels. I don't know where they're at, but definitely not 95% of their pork is coming from a domestic supply. No, no, certainly not. Nowhere close to that. No. And it also later went on to say that they are hoping to get large-scale pig farms back up and running, back up to the scale that they need to support their population by December 31st of 2020. All right. Well, you know, Delaney, it's interesting. You talk about how the Chinese are looking for local banks and other groups to help support hog farmers. Hog farmers in this country got a boost last mm -hmm. week with two limit-up days in the hog markets. What do you say? Should we dive into the markets here with Darren? Let's do that. All right. Before we do, let's see where they wrapped up for the day in corn. September, excuse me. Well, we're rolling because it is already September. <laughs> the December contract closed on the highs of the day or just off the highs of the day. Finished up five and a quarter cents at 374 even. The March up four and a half to finish at 386 even. And soybeans battled their way to $9 in the November contract, closing higher by one and a quarter points with the January up one and a half to finish at 913 and three quarters. Chicago wheat, December contract up five and a quarter cents at 488 and three quarters the march up five and three quarters finished at 495 and a quarter jumping over into the world of livestock did see some weakness today but only slight weakness in live cattle the october contract was down seven and a half cents at 98 dollars even with the december down 35 to finish at 104.0250 feeder cattle the october was down 37.50 at 134.20 with the November down 85, finishing at 133.1750. And in lean hogs, the October contract was down $2.85 to close at 63.62.5, with the December up $1.9750, closing at 70.67.5. And, and more big moves in the dairy market. September was up three cents on the day at 18.34. The October was up 49 cents today, finished at 19.69. And we will discuss the hog market in particular, and the crude oil market right now with Mr. Darren Newsom for Hashtag Market Monday. Well, folks, for today's Market Monday, we have on the podcast with us today Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis, Inc. Darren, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. It's uh, just a fun time to be watching markets. That it is. And actually, you know, we don't talk about some of the other commodities outside of agriculture very often, but Darren, I really want to open it up today with an oil discussion. I know that's a market you're watching. Tell us mm -hmm. what the news that happened early this morning, late overnight, with the oil facilities in Saudi Arabia being attacked. What does that do for the oil outlook? Does that majorly change things? The, you know, the bottom line, I mean, the, the big picture is, we're not going to run out of crude oil, you know, anytime soon. But it creates this idea that supplies are all of a sudden going to be threatened. And when you threaten crude oil supplies, you get things like what we saw today uh, with both Brent crude market, which is the world crude, uh, and then the West Texas Intermediate, which is obviously our, our, uh, our domestic market. So, you know, these... These things happen quickly to me, and I talked about it 
um, in my in my morning commentary is just another chaos event. Uh, one that we didn't. I mean, you can always plan on some sort of chaos, I guess, in in the Middle East. But you know, to actually bomb the world's largest oil processing plant uh, over the weekend, and I compared it to the fire at the Holcomb, Kansas, uh, the Tyson Holcomb uh, Tyson plant in Holcomb, Kansas, uh, beef processing plant, that also took out about six percent of, of U.S. Fed capacity. So. And how the different reactions. So, you know, in the crude oil market, when you see a disruption like this, when you see a threat to supplies, all bets are off as to how high a market can go. Whereas in many other markets, you get this sort of disruption. And as we saw in cattle, you know, they, they lost $9 in five days. So it's just different markets that react differently. Now, Darren, I've got to pick your brain here a little bit because you are, of course, the technical analyst that we like to converse with, and this bombing is a fundamental type event. Does it change the way that you're interpreting the charts, or are we going to see crude move eventually back down to the range it was in? Uh, absolutely, it changes the charts, just as the cattle move changed the charts. Chaos is the one thing you cannot account for. The technical analysis and fundamental, let's be honest, you know, the, the, the cattle event changed the way uh, cattle fundamentals looked as well. You, you can't account for that. Uh, it's, that's what makes it chaos is, is you just can't account for it. And when it happens, you have to change, you know, what you're looking at. And certainly the charts look different today than they did Friday and what I wrote about in my weekly analysis over the weekend where I called it sideways trends, this, that, and anything else where we blew that apart. So now we start over from scratch, have these huge price gaps on daily, weekly charts, and uh, we just start over from here. All right. Well, give us your give us your update. Where do you see crude going from here? <laughs> crude could go anywhere from a hundred dollars to twenty dollars. Um, okay. We've we've got uh, you know realistically the next the next peak is up at sixty six sixty. Um, that was from April. And so that's kind of the next target. Uh, we've got a couple highs up in the six, upper 63 range. So in that 63, we got up to 60. What did we get up to today? We got up to well, we got up to that 63.38 today. So you know we're in that the lower end of that range between 63 and you know 64 up to 66.67. So uh, you know I'm going to say that April high of 66.62 is sitting up there, and I. It, maybe by tonight everything is calmed down market takes a lot of it back out it's always a possibility but you get a breakaway like this and you usually see some follow-through and speaking of breakaway darren it seems we had the especially the soybean markets breakaway on thursday friday of last week after the announcement mm -hmm. of some chinese soybean purchases we closed you know not super strong but at least in the positive territory today what does the soybean? What do the soybean charts look like now? You know, the funny thing was I was doing all the charts this weekend. Just about everything posted some sort of bullish signal, and that's hard for me. Uh, that's hard for me to admit uh, that almost everything turned bullish. But I will say that soybeans still are not as bullish as what the corn market looks to be, at least on daily and, and weekly charts. Because but it's where why? you get to the why future spreads okay. to begin with. 
Um, if we look at the forward curve for corn, it's still it's still sitting in the neutral to bullish range, where soybeans have been in the neutral to bearish range. And this was even up through all that happened last week. It didn't really change the spreads that much. That's what I like to see. That's why I follow the spreads for actual fundamentals. Um, we didn't really see the spring spreads change all that much, but there's always the chance that we could see this commercial round of buying come in. Now, China's been in the market the last few days, making some small purchases. Everybody knew that they would be. There comes a point where Brazil, you know, is going to get tight on soybeans and we're going to fill, you know, we're going to fill the gaps. We're the secondary supplier now. So until China finds a new secondary supplier, we still have that role. And that's exactly what's going on right now. So, you know, we've got a little bit of support. I, you know, I, I, the, the move was interesting, but if we break it down to technical indicators, technical signals and all this, beans just didn't look as strong as corn. I even had a customer ask me uh, over the weekend, you know, would corn have done what it did without soybeans? And I think it would have. I, again, because I think corn's just in a more bullish situation right now uh, than beans are. And, you know, beans... Posted a nice rally, 40-some cent gain, whatever it was. Um, but it still looks vulnerable to me for renewed selling at some point. Well, you mentioned the corn looks a little bullish here, Darren. My big question is the low we put in last Monday, is that the harvest low? Are we just powering up from here? I think, I think it's the harvest low. Yeah, I think we put our seasonal low in a couple weeks earlier than normal. Uh, we got a we got a bullish one of the things I look for is a bullish crossover by stochastics on weekly charts, and we got that we got that below the oversold level of twenty cent twenty uh, percent so that looked good. We got we got uh, key bullish reversals in other words, you know with these and March and May and July all going to new contract lows and then doing what they did late in the week. So we've got the technical patterns we've got the technical indicators all coming together, showing that this you know we've probably put in our season low now. We flip that script, you know, and say everyone wants to start talking about how this long, how this market's long-term bullish. Well, it's not, because on the on the monthly chart, we actually turned bearish where the soybeans have not, and that's what I find. You know, it gets a bit confusing, but it's fascinating to me the way these two different markets are playing out. Um, but I do think we put in our seasonal low. I do think we can rally in here. I think it's going to get checked. Uh, the higher it gets, particularly in the deferred months, I think we're going to start seeing some selling. Uh, but I do think there's going to be more interest in, in spreads, like the DCD spread from a trader's point of view. Darren, when you look out into the future here, once we get combines rolling, we look out into maybe the DC March or the November Jan for corn mm -hmm. and soybeans. What do you see as price targets that producers should be looking for? Um, well, first things that I want to do is get over you know, it's, it's, we're going to want to see if the market, if either the beast or the no can get over the uh, the spring uh, government rate. I don't remember exactly what those were, something like $4 and I don't mean 10 something uh, in soybeans. So that's that's really the key. But from a technical point of view, when I look at the beast corn chart, you know, I see resistance. I see not resistance, but I see target prices up around 398, 412, and 426. Those would be nice objectives. 
um, you know, if we can if we can extend this this in, in the term uptrend that we've just established on soybeans, if we could get back up to that previous peak of around 945 to 950 on the NOV, I think that's going to draw some attention. It could go higher again. The long term trend's still up, so you know, if I've already rolled through the January uh, contract, and some people have because of the carry, uh, you know, then you know, those, we would have to add another, you know, five, 10 cents onto that to, 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 as a price target. So I, I do think both markets have room to run in here. I just think with the, with the support of the commercial side, corn's going to be that much stronger. Well, let's talk about the livestock markets, Darren. You talked about how the mm-hmm. buyer in Holcomb, Kansas, changed the fat cattle market. Here we are, we're mm-hmm. three weeks later, kills have remained strong. We've seen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, box beef values come well down off their peak, and yet... We've got no movement here away from those levels we posted at right after the fire. When does this market turn around a little bit? Well, again, if we if we throw what, all that out, if we just pretend like we don't know any of that and we just look at the charts, last week's patterns on both feeder cattle and live cattle were incredibly impressive. Uh, and, again, they would indicate that we've put the bottom in. If last week's low say if we're looking at the these, uh, these cattle last week's low around 98.20 last, last week was the low that it's going to see, and it's going to rally from here. Feeder cattle are the same thing, but now all of a sudden you have to, okay, how is this going to work? If we get corn in an uptrend, feeder cattle certainly shouldn't be in an uptrend, and live cattle should struggle as well. So that's where the characteristic, the characteristic differences between livestock and grains come into play where livestock still can be driven more by fundamentals. Those things that you mentioned that could cool the buying interest and not start to knock markets down a little bit again. If, if we don't see cash stay strong, if we don't see box beef and all that stay strong, yeah, you know, cattle could come down. We're still dealing with some larger numbers of cattle, even though the last cattle on feed report did show what I thought was a relatively small number uh, for, what was it, for August 1. Um, you know, to me, that is a that's more of a feed problem for corn than it is a problem for for cattle. I think the cattle market should go up for me. I got some buy signals last week. Not overly impressed with the action today. Could pull back a little bit, but I still think we're going to work higher. Darren, what about the lean hog markets? We had some impressive days Thursday and Friday. Then today we have quite a bit of spreads going on here between the October and the deferred contracts. What's yeah. going on there? You know, what, what it's telling me is that the, that the immediate cash market may start to soften. That, that would explain the October weakness today, where the underpinning of China, you know, de-terrifying, whatever you want to use uh, for soybeans and lean hogs late last week, I think it was on Friday when they said they'd no longer be tariffed. Uh, the idea that we could start to move hog pork to China later this year outside of that, you know, outside of this month's window, uh, I think that's helping to support, provide support to the deferred contracts because we did see, we did see a split in this market. And, and this is a classic example of where you see commercial buying up front and commercial buying in the back. Uh, so commercial selling on the cash market uh, was hitting the October strong commercial buying and some non-commercial interest as well continue to prop up the beast, and we did see one almost a 4 or $5 swing in that spread today. 
So, Darren, when you look out at the chart perspective after those two limit updates and then our ability to hold on to those gains today, um, what what are you shooting for now in the lean hogs? What are your targets? <laughs> what are my targets in lean hogs? Not to go broke trading them uh, because lean hogs are, are entirely unforgiving. Uh, and I don't suggest anyone I, – I don't promote them for anyone to – to try to use, but given the given the previous sell-off that we saw, let me drop some lines in here real quick, up around 90 down to last week's low of about 57.75. You know, that's, I see the high was 90.20, so if we, we've already hit the first object, objective up around 70.20, 70.25, the next mark's up around 74. Then I'd be looking for about 77, 77.50 to 77.80, somewhere in there, 78. So, you know, I do think we still have a little bit of room to the upside. Uh, it could certainly pull back. Hogs are hogs. This is the D's contract I'm looking at. Uh, but, you know, if, if I jump in, uh, let's say I jumped in here over the last few weeks on some bullish technical signals, I'm going to ride this thing for a while. You know, that, that 74 to 78 range still looks attractive up there. All right. Darren, before we let you go, how can folks get in touch with you, find your interesting articles, your newsletters, all that great stuff? They can just go to DarrenNewson.com and go to the service page and sign up for a free trial. And there they can see, it's a seven-day free trial, and there they can see all that, all that I put up over the course of a week and, you know, all the different commentary charts, technical analysis, seasonal, everything else that we do, see if it's something that they're interested in. Um, by all means, they can send me questions on markets and call me and so on. That's the best way to do it. Just go to DarrenNewson.com, sign up for the free trial, see what all we do. All right, Darren Newsom, thanks so much for breaking down the markets today. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on again. Well, always appreciate the chance to uh, chat with Darren Newsom and get his perspectives on the market. Delaney, he's always got something to say. That he does, Mike. And we always have something to say as well on Twitter in particular, but also Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to connect with us if you haven't yet at Ag News Daily. You can always connect with us through our website, globalagnetwork.com as well. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Well, let them go. Let them go.